Hello, fellow pilots and other podcast listeners, and welcome to this edition of the WestJet Pilots PyRep Podcast. I'm your host today. My name is Desmond Jordan. I'm the chair of the uh, P2P committee. I'm joined today by Christina Thompson, our SPSC chair, as well as two very special guests today. The SPSC National Committee Chair, Ronan O'Donoghue, and also David Campbell. He's the SPSC National Communications Specialist. Okay, so Ronan, David, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, since you're here with us today, I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of a background with your association with uh, ALPA and also the sorts of things that you're involved in. Thanks, Des, very much, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to be up here with you guys. Uh, my name is Ronan O'Donoghue. I'm an Alaska Airlines captain. I also serve on the uh, National Strategic Preparedness and Strike Committee where Alpa National, and I'm up here um, for a couple of days, for the last few days of meeting with you guys to try and uh, help out Christina, working with her on building out a program for the next couple of months as we get through some stuff here. David? Yeah, thank, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, David Campbell, I'm also an Alaska Airlines pilot, and I'm working on the National Committee now for SPSC in Strategic Communications. I'm also the Strategic Communications Chairman at Alaska, and I've had that position consecutively for the last five years as we negotiated our last contract. And then about a decade before that, I also held that position for about five years. And before that, I was at Comair during the strike. So I've got some strike experience now. And um, as, as you two know, we've been working with you respectively in, in our various roles in our respective companies for a while now. And I'm just really happy to be here chatting with you guys and, and seeing what's going on with your current negotiations and hoping to provide any you know, encouragement and, and assistance I can. So today we just concluded a couple days of SPSC special meetings. Uh, I was wondering, Christina, if you could give us an update as to uh, what we've been up to over these last couple of days. Of course, yeah, thanks, Des. So uh, the MEC and SPSC, along with our guests from SPSC National, and ALPA staffers from south of the border have all been up here basically working together in a closed session meeting, strategizing everything that can be expected and prepared for over the next few months as we get deeper into the conciliation process. So Ronan, David, we've been working together for what, over five years now? We invite you up here to uh, Canada. I'm just wondering, what is it that you're seeing in our process and how we're handling things and what sorts of things can you uh, bring to aid us in this process? Yeah, that, that's great, Des. That's actually a really good point. We have known each other for close on five years now. We've worked together multiple times, been in touch back and forward over that five-year period to make sure that this is uh, very carefully planned out and the direction that we're going is um, it's very, very tight and well executed. As we enter this final phase here with uh, conciliation, we basically wanted to come up here and make sure that we brought several of those resources with us. Um, we brought communication specialists, we brought social media specialists, um, different, you know, David's up here too, and these are both pilots and Alpa National staff and other various support members from staff. And we wanted to pretty much, as we go into this next phase, or we get deeper into this next phase, make sure that everything is pretty much lined out very, very correctly. But the thing that I, I really wanted to bring and, and to make sure that I emphasize to your listeners today is that the entire umbrella of the ALPA union is behind the pilots of WestJet Airlines. It, it is critical that you understand that all 39 member associations plus 67,000 pilots 
We stand with you, and we will continue to stand with you until we cross the line and get a contract that is completely in line with your North American industry standards. And you know, one thing I'd mention about the resources, I've, I've been on both sides of that. I'm, I'm here now representing sort of being on the um, on the national resources side, but as the communication chairman at Alaska Airlines, I was on the receiving end of that. And I think it's really important to understand that the the model that ALPA uses is it's pilot-driven and staff-supported, or and in staff, in this case, I might even include the you know national resources like Ronan and I, who aren't staff, we're, we're pilots who have a, a role with the, the national structure. But what happens at WestJet is being driven by your pilots through your MEC and, and through the work of the committees that you're both on. And so that's what's coming up here. So my role here is to help you in any way I can based on what you ask for. And that's, you know, we're really excited to do that. And, and there's lots of resources that we can pull into that help make your job more effective and help make the, the work that the pilot group as a whole is doing very powerful. And I, I think a great example of that that I, I like to use is the economic and financial analysis that, that we have. You know, we're, we're up against companies that will make all kinds of financial statements about how the contract that the pilots are, and, and this is universal, I, I see this in, in every negotiation, right, that the, what the pilots are asking for is too much, it's too expensive, it's, you know, you need fill in the blank of exactly what that looks like, but we have very detailed analysis of the economics, and so we can look into that and, and get a really good sense of what, what are the economics, both on a, a local level, on a national level, and how are things that are individual companies. And so when, when your negotiating committee goes in there to, to have these discussions, they have a good sense of, of what the reality is, and that puts you in a much better bargaining position and a, a much stronger position as you're making the case for improving your contract. You know, David, it's funny that you bring that up. Um, I want to talk about, like, I just recently saw a video talking about those exact, exact tactics, the exact um, talking points that companies use that EFNA, um, or ENFA, sorry, generally can dispute. But do you want to talk about what we just saw there? Yeah, I mean, it, it was frustrating, although not unexpected to hear something like that. I, I, I've been hearing things like that for the last 30 years yeah. of my career. And it, going all the way back to when I was on strike at Comair is this, this attitude of, um, well, it, not only an attitude, but a willingness to cut off their nose to spite their face, that they're willing to spend and spend to keep the contract the way it is rather than share in the wealth that you help generate. It goes to show you how willing management is to maintain power and control rather than treat pilots like actual partners in the company that, that we're all creating together. And it is very frustrating, yeah. but very expected. I'll give you the example. In it, when I was on strike at Comair, had they agreed to everything that we'd been asking in our contract, um, the money that they were losing while we were on strike, and I'll don't quote me on this exactly, but they overspent in lost revenue the amount of the cost of the new contract more than one time over. So what I learned from that in my early days is that these contract negotiations very often come down to power and control rather than economics. 
and it's and and it's common all the time that you have a management structure that is unwilling to share in that power and control and instead of treating the pilots like the leaders that they are of our respective companies they want to maintain the control for themselves and so you know in our case when we were negotiating with at alaska airlines the the pilots had problems that they were trying to solve the the company had problems that they were trying to solve and for a long time in our negotiation management was unwilling to partner with us to solve those problems together and it wasn't until we had went through a, a lot of our strategic processes for example, the picket on April 1st that, uh, Christina, you were kind enough to come join us at, the strike authorization ballot that we had, and, and where we really impacted the, the company's image with the public, that they came to us and, and we were finally able to work through those problems together and get a contract with, that was improved. But I, I, you know, I, I think it, th this is what we're up against in, in managements that don't want to relinquish that control. and so. For that, I think that where each MEC shares something with every other MEC and in that our contract negotiation cycles at their root, I think, often come down to those sorts of struggles. And that's why we can help each other. And I think that's why, from a national perspective, we, we really see a value in learning from each other and, and getting together the respective MECs so that we can improve on what happened and you know we were really successful at Alaska Airlines but it wasn't just from us we borrowed from the carriers that had been before us in the last few contract negotiation cycles and we took the things in their strategic planning that worked and either used them in some cases maybe either improve them a little bit or tweak them for our purposes and we were able to be effective and so that's why we're up here now seeing if we can do the same thing for your group Thank you. Thank you, David. Yeah, and I mean, Des and I, I think, can both speak to how much support we've had from all the other airlines and their SPSC committees, but we met at the SPSC summit probably almost five years ago, and since then, we've seen and learned from all the pilots and all the other MECs that have come before us what has worked best for them, what they would suggest we do differently in our negotiation this time, and we get to take the information from people that have more experience than us and do a better job on our pilot group's behalf because of the help from these gentlemen sitting here. Now, this is really kind of a unique situation that we're in this time. I mean, I know that you guys have been involved with uh, multiple other carriers and helping them through their negotiation processes. But, you know, there's a lot of operational similarities between WestJet and Alaska Airlines. Just wondering if you could give some insight or some of your opinion on how you might see uh, things being similar in the negotiation processes that we're going through with our two companies. It's actually funny how similar the issues are that we were both having as pilot groups. You know, with Alaska Airlines, um, to go like to, and talk about that specific case, we had like mainly scope issues and, you know, job security issues we were working through. And which is pretty unanimous now, this next issue, which is scheduling flexibility and making sure that you can control your schedule. I mean, people don't understand that these, these are real problems for families. They involve the entire family. They involve your spouse, your kids, everybody. And I mean, the, when, when we talk about better scheduling flexibility, it's not just, you know, I want more days off. That's what a lot of people think it is. It's, it's really, truly hitting at the nucleus of the whole family. It, it's, it's, it's critical that that gets addressed. And, of course, there's the pay issues, too, which are always... The, in line with what, you know, is a normal cycle. 
But as regards the similarities between the negotiations, um, you, know, you definitely have different negotiation process up here. And I, I think that you, know, you guys are entering the conciliation portion, which is obviously, in some ways, it, it brings this thing you know, to the forefront a lot quicker. We went on for three years. You know, so there was a lot of um, a lot more drawn out at the, on the property with Alaska Airlines. The one thing that, from from my perspective of, as an SPSC member, is I, I just again, and I opened with this earlier on. I, I'm just blown away by the pilot unity and exercising that unity as the horsepower under the negotiation committee's hood. It's critical that the, these guys they're speaking on behalf of the pilots. That information is there. And negotiating committing is is truly doing the work and the will of the pilots. It's their objectives and it's truly their um, what they need to get this thing across the line. But and David, I know you have some comments that you'd like to add to that. But before I, I hand it over to you to go back to um, what Christina was just saying there a couple of minutes ago, you know about gleaning from each other and working and 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 gathering information. When I read the strike manual update that you guys did here at WestJet, it was it was so impressive. You know, it's something that I definitely want to expand upon and, you know, as we, we redo some of that stuff down, um, down south, I, I think that um, you guys have set the bar on how that should look and um, I think it's, it's very impressive. So major kudos to you guys. Yeah, and I was going to mention that one of the things that's obvious is the laws are different in our respective countries, so that may have some impact on the way you go about negotiating. But what is the same, I think, is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you have management structures that are, are very similar. They have the same techniques. And the things that make pilot groups successful don't really change. You know, it, it has to do with the unity of the pilot group, the um, coming together, collectively deciding what goals are important that you should be fighting for and working hard to achieve and building solidarity around those shared goals among the pilots. And when they all come together, they can do great and powerful things. And I mean, the, the Alaska pilots were in negotiations for how long? Three, a little bit over three years, three and a half years. Yeah. And so you guys come and see our conciliation timelines under the Canada Labor Code, and, and we're definitely working on a much tighter and stricter timeline. Yeah, and you know, that's interesting because, I mean, in that sense, there are some parallels because I, I look at where you are right now is similar to where we are, and you know, for lack of a better word, like in stage negotiations. And, and, and in our case, it was a, about a year ago, actually, uh, April 1st, we had that big picket and rally and where things started to move. And what, what moved it was not the laws that we were working under. What moved it was the unity of the pilot group and the, the resolve that we had and the fact that our, our negotiating committee had been consistently saying the same thing to management, that this is what the pilots want. And, and finally, I think the management could see when, I mean, literally looked out their window and saw a unified pilot group and then saw our video feeds from all of our other bases of, of people showing up to promote the, the unity. We had essentially everyone who wasn't working a flight was out on a picket line in, in one of our bases. And so as I come and look at what you've done and what you've achieved and, and sitting in on your, your meeting, I've, I've, you're, you're in a very similar position that we were in in terms of your pilot unity, in terms of your resolve, in terms of having goals in your contract that are completely reasonable justifiable and affordable by your company and so I'm, I'm you know it's encouraging to see where you are in that sense 
So, you know, we've talked a lot today about strike manuals, the strategic preparedness and strike committee, a lot of talk about strike. I'm going to ask you a question I think that we probably know the answer to, but Christina, I'll start with you. Is the purpose or the objective of the strategic planning and strike committee to take this pilot group out on strike? Uh, no, does That is actually the absolute last thing that we want to do. We do, however, have to understand that as a pilot group, our strength lies in our unity and our resolve. And one way that we can prove to our employer that we do believe we deserve the contract that we are worthy of is by having a strong strike mandate. If you don't mind, Christina, I'd like to add to that. I think there's, there's other things as well. As we spent the last couple of days meeting here and we've looked at some of the, um, the things you have placed onto the timeline, it, it is very, very important that the pilots of WestJet are truly paying attention to the communications that are coming out from the MEC they're signed up for everything. They know whatever lanyards, whatever pins, whatever. Management notices these things. They see them. They count them. So when you're asked by your MEC to show up at something, show up. If you're off, be there. You make sure that you, you're, this is your contract. This is your future. You have to invest in it. And if that takes time, it takes time. But I would absolutely make sure, and David, I know this is near and dear to you, but just make sure that you're, you're doing exactly as you're being asked to do by your MEC. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, I've, I've mentioned a lot already on this podcast episode, the strength and unity and solidarity, and, and that needs to be visible. And so anything that your MEC asks you to do, help them out and show management that, yeah, we're, we're together in this. And you back and support your MEC and your negotiating committee, and that's how we're going to get a contract that we deserve. Yeah, a common delay tactic management's use, and you know, again, I've seen this multiple contract cycles at Alaska. I saw it before at Comair. Was to state that what management is hearing at the negotiating table doesn't represent the pilots, and and they are able to maintain that position, you know, until they're disabused of it, and and you need to show them that you're together, and so right if the MEC has a lanyard or a pen or asks you to show up at something, the more that you can respond to that in a positive way, it, it will show management that you're serious. The other thing I would also add to that as well, which is a, it's pretty much a responsibility of every pilot to do this, is talk to your fellow pilots. Have those conversations in the flight deck. Make sure that, especially newer pilots, there's a large portion of the pilots on this property that have probably never been through this cycle and don't know and don't quite understand. And it's part of the responsibility of those of us who have been through this is to make sure that we are talking this through so guys fully get what it takes to, to really secure an agreement that they deserve. That's a good point, Ronan. And, and when it comes to some of the junior pilots that maybe don't understand what we're trying to achieve here, I think we, we have to, and it's important for us to communicate with them about what we achieve now will also benefit their families and their professions and careers in the future. Absolutely. You know, the best way to avoid a strike is to be prepared for a strike. And one of the best ways of showing preparedness for a strike is through a good and strong strike mandate. So when we're called upon by our MEC to support our strike mandate, you know, make sure that you're out there, make sure that you cast your vote and make sure that you are there in support. Yeah, I'll add to that. I mean, it, the goal is not to be on strike. 
it, the goal is to improve the contract and you need to do what you can to make that happen. And to do that, you have to find agreement with management. And if they're unwilling to agree to a contract that brings you up to a North American standard, then you, you start to run out of options. And so the strike is our powerful tool to, to make that happen. But again, it, it's not an ideal tool. We'd much prefer, and I'm, I'm sure it's true for your group as well, to reach an agreement outside of a strike situation. And again, if, if I were management, I maybe sort of flip the question a little bit. If I were management, when would I want to engage in a work action? Or you know, when would I want to draw the pilots into that fight? And it would be when they're not prepared. You know, if they don't have a lot of confidence in their MEC, if they aren't financially prepared, if anything like that, because that's a union I can probably break as a management. And I can get them out into the strike situation where they may be a little stressed and hope that they'll cave. But if I'm a management on the other hand and I look at this pilot group and I see that they're unified and I see that they're ready and I see that they, they don't want to be on strike, but they understand that they have been forced into this position because they have no other option, then that's a pilot group I'm going to be afraid of and, and will probably avoid. So, you know, you said it a minute ago, the best way to avoid a strike is to be ready for a strike, to be prepared for a strike. And so I think that's a really important point that, that people should take with them. And, and thanks to you two and SPSC National and uh, the solid MEC that we're working with right now, we will be ready when the time comes. Absolutely. The last uh, couple of days have been an excellent exercise in preparedness. Uh, I'd like to take the opportunity now to say a big thank you to both uh, you, Ronan and David, uh, for being here. Your help has been invaluable. And uh, to the rest of our uh, pilot group out there that's listening, show your support, be informed, read the communications that come out, and most of all, be ready. <laughs>